welcome to the Marketing Retro Podcast, where I, Adrienne Barnes, joined with Josh Ho to discuss marketing, to experiment with marketing, to talk about current topics in marketing, and just to really dig in and learn and discover and share what we learn and what we know. So, hi, Josh. Hi, Adrian. I really like that intro. Thanks. We're, we're going to give a few things a try and see what sticks, right? It's, it, we're experimenting with our marketing intro. Maybe we'll just do that every episode, and maybe that will just be part of just rolling into this. I think we're just like organically finding our way here. Exactly. And so you know what we need to do? We need to test it. So audience, if you've listened to three or four episodes, which intro did you like best? Let us know. Like, Give us a comment. Tweet at us. Let us know which one was best. Uh-oh, now you got your marketing wheel spinning. I do, always. <laughs> little little ask there, little ask there. The CTA today. <clears throat> yes, but today's topic, we were just talking off camera, off audio, about CPG brands, luxury, essentially. We, we had a little podcast break, and I just told Josh that it makes me feel wealthy and luxurious if I can have three drinks by my side all the time. One for water, one for caffeine, and one for fun. I don't know why that's the case, but it is. It just makes me feel good. Today we have water, I have my regular coffee, and I have a little protein shake just in case the podcast goes long and we need some nourishment. Um, but we got into like almost the CPG kind of experience, right, Josh? Like thinking about what, how, how this CPG consumer packaged goods, so that we all understand the acronyms being used. Um, the, they're treating products like it's a new space, right? Like it's brand new invention. No one has ever sold dog food before. Um, but we, we were kind of had the conversation where they're not doing anything new, but they're working on marketing. So what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Well, first, yeah, I think it's, you know, tracking back to the beginning of our conversation, it just, it's super interesting thinking about, you know, all the things we just have at a personal level, right? Like you were saying, it feels luxurious. And for me, I, I mentioned, you know, I had a drink and I go through a similar thing. I have a water bottle here. I usually have coffee throughout the morning. Sometimes I do different things with coffee. But in the afternoons, I we've been getting into just different sparkling waters, whether it's the ahas or these different little things that, again, from like a health and locale perspective, but it is a little treaty as me mm -hmm. and my wife would call them. <laughs> so, but they are just little, little boosts throughout the day to kind of feel like you don't have to worry about that, you know, paying for that 50 cent can, or maybe it's a $2 luxurious mm -hmm. can of something or a bottle or whatever. But those, it's kind of a, akin to just this experience, right? We talked about how you feel and how I think the CPG area is just really honing into that stuff. Like what was when we were growing up, it's like, oh, there's like five coffee vendors. There's all these mm -hmm. things. And now they're playing to just really what's considered good marketing. Like yeah. they're playing to emotions. They're playing to like feelings and all these things. And it's definitely something I think you and I recognize as consumers, but then thinking of B2B, how it, there are some companies doing it in B2B, but at the same time, like, you know, the, you'll hear people talking about, it's all, you're all marketing to people. Whatever you're selling them, you're selling them a feeling, you're selling them like a transition, transformation, you're selling them like an emotion, right? And, right. and so 
but yeah, it's super interesting. All the examples you, you, what was the one you mentioned to me that you're recommending me, which was like, Hey, we should just talk more about this on the, on an actual episode. Yeah, so Topo Chico is my favorite mineral water brand. Um, now, they are in stores, though. They're, they're a Texas local brand, so it doesn't feel D2C to me. I don't even know if they're online. I don't know if you can order them because um, I just go to my local HEB, and there they are, and it's amazing glory. Um, but it does have – they have a, a cult following pretty much. I mean, really, if you know – Topo Chico and you follow or, or you're even in that world at all, um, they are your default. Like they, hmm. I don't know what it is, why they, they, how they've been able to capture so much of these audience. Cause they don't do a lot of quote unquote traditional advertising. I don't remember, recall. They're not on seeing, TikTok. They're <laughs> not on TikTok. I don't recall seeing a whole lot of like Topo Chico advertisements. Uh, it's kind of word of mouth. I think I could be wrong. I haven't gone down the rabbit hole to really like explore what their marketing looks like. Um, but it's definitely an amazing product for sure. Uh, and it's such an interesting thing. You were talking about the D2C brands really capturing feelings and being great at marketing, which is true. Uh, and I, what I've noticed is that they capture who I want to be all the time, right? Like when I order my FabFitFun, I have this subscription box. Are you aware of FabFitFun, Josh, at all? Nope. Nope. Okay. So FabFitFun is this quarterly box that comes out. It's pretty big. You get full-size products of kind of luxury designer items and they sample a whole bunch of things for you and it comes to you seasonally. So you get to open it up and everything's wrapped and it's beautiful and like it's fun stuff, right? Like I've gotten hair supplies and makeup and jump ropes and little cute little coffee cups and things like that. So it's just kind of whatever you tell them you're interested in. You can choose some things, you can upgrade some things. But FabFitFun has figured out how I should feel, like how they want me to feel when I'm opening up my thing. They want me to feel like, you know, wealthy, luxurious, because they kind of, they play on that quite a bit. Um, you know, I've looked up some of the products and I think what they do, I think I've kind of gotten the inside, is they will buy wholesale, right, from, a manufacturer from a producer from a brand and then the brand is probably told like increase the price quite a bit while your FabFitFun boxes are going out so the month of December increases your price a bit so then while people are looking up like oh I just got this necklace how much is that worth because you know we all paid whatever money for the FabFitFun box you know it oh you go right. and you look it up and it's oh this was so expensive and I just got it like now I'm you know I've got this beautiful piece of jewelry and I've got this beautiful shawl and this beautiful teacup um, but it makes you feel good when that do, thing comes do you think the they market. actually they're they're coordinated like you th this is real oh absolutely okay I think it is I, wow. I think it is um, and just knowing a little bit of what I know about like CPG and packaging and like wholesale and the relationships and vendors and things like that that people have it would not surprise me. Now, is that how they're doing it? I don't know, but it could be. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. Um, or yeah, it could be like so group Groupon and that type of thing, like where it's basically like they have excess inventory and they approach them or they like, and there's a whole mm -hmm. playbook around this. Like, okay, quarter, you know, it says it's quarterly. Does everyone get it at the same yeah. time as well? Or are people on different subscription routes? No, it rolls out. Okay. It rolls out. So everybody will get it in the month of December. Mm -hmm. But like I had a friend who was a subscriber and she would get hers like two or three weeks before I would get mine. Um, but she also like upgraded her subscription. She could change and choose things differently where I was like, I just want to be surprised and 
whatever they send me is fine. Um, so mine would come later. But yeah, they definitely, they've, they've, they've in, tapped into the core of who their market is and like how we should feel mm -hmm. when we get that box and open that box. It's, it really is an amazing experience. It, but CPG brands are really good at that, right? Like right. they're really good at tapping into who you should be or who you want to be by purchasing this product. Right. And none of them are inventing new products. They're basically just capitalizing on an, a niche, whether it's a feeling, whether it's like, you know, just, you know, there's those other examples in the past few years. Like what is the, um, shoot, what's the one with all the, the summer drinks now with like vodka in it and things like that. But, you know, five years ago, that wasn't a thing, right? Do you know mm -hmm. what, what is, mm -hmm. what are some of those? Do you know? The CPG one? I yeah. Know. I know like White Claw. Yeah, like White Claw, like that, that, but that type of stuff, just, just, uh, mm -hmm. just in that, in that marketing front that is I get yeah just capturing a different thing like what's there's like a coffee one there's like death proof coffee there's all these ones where you just uh, that makes yeah that just makes you like look at a, a set of types of you know and mostly we're talking about drinks and that's fine for today it's like but it's yeah. one that where someone just goes and looks across a span of these and like like heck yeah or hell yeah that one's for me right like I want that right or yeah. Versus before yes. it was like, okay, do you want chocolate? Do you want these flavors? Like, no, it's not about segmentation of flavor. It's about segmentation of like feeling and personality. Brand. And brand. You're talking about yeah. brand. It's a, it is, it's brand. So speaking of like the water, liquid death, right? right? Like, have you seen the liquid death cans? Mm -hmm. That looks, I mean, you look hardcore carrying around a liquid death can of water. No one, number one, is automatically assuming you're drinking water. It looks like you're drinking an energy drink or a beer or something like that, right? Like it doesn't look like water because we're used to water coming in bottles right. and, you know, being blue, right. not, you know, having this death metal type of look. So you definitely are appealing to who people, how people want to be perceived. Mm -hmm. And man, what an interesting way to market though. Like you can just fully dive in and that's kind of, that becomes your differentiator, right? right? Is your brand has to become the differentiator in CPG and D to C right. stuff. Yeah, it's just interesting how it, I don't know, and maybe it's just uh, our age now. It just seems much more common or pervasive in it now that we're like either the speed that these things can come to market. Like I remember growing up, mm -hmm. so it's probably dating dating me a bit, but it's like I think in high school. Not that I drank a lot in high school, but Zima. Remember Zima? Did you ever? So like when that came yes. out, like that was a whole different positioning thing. It was like, it right. was a, it was like, okay, it's kind of like alcoholic Sprite, but like, you know, yes. and, and what, you know, what, those types of things or even, even further back or actually, sorry, later on when Red Bull came out, but before things like that, there were mm -hmm. Jolt, right? Then that was probably like in that era of Jolt versus it was just a niche then but look at what like red bull has done or then after that monster energy and all and then and then they mm -hmm. they tied into a movement right they they tethered themselves to like the x games all of those types of like extreme stuff before when that stuff was used to just be like what kids yeah. did at the park but now became a publicized thing this whole extreme like <laughs> type of type of stuff so yeah. it's just interesting the way 
you know, I guess people have changed and all those things. And it's just created more of these opportunities for someone today to just come up with like a brand concept as a company. And the products are really just remixed, right? It's just, it's just like, right. and how can I make the person feel this way? Whatever is actually in this drink. They're not new. None, none of this stuff couldn't, couldn't have been invented. Uh, you know, all this stuff could have existed 20 years ago. Um, it's not like they found mm-hmm. him in B <laughs> uh, in the past right. five years. Yeah. So, Yeah. I mean, you think of Billy and the razors, right? Like, so they have these great razors and they, it's subscription and they ship them to your house. Um, you know, like you said, razors are definitely not a new thing. So what what is the innovation? Is the innovation the the brand or is the innovation the way that it's getting to us? Why are, is all of a sudden D to C and the CPG like booming? Is it is it the scriptions you think the fact that people are able to just subscribe and have things automatically sent to their home, or is it really are the products better? Yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if the products are better. I think they definitely can get to market faster. So if you think about it from a business mechanics perspective, like there's probably more companies that could just that you could probably get some of these made in smaller quantities, right? That make it like, mm-hmm. like that there's a decent ROI on it and someone could start it for not much. I mean, the, the other big one is, is the advertising, right? Like how expensive would it have been to reach like those Zima campaigns or those other things? They had to be TV campaigns, right? There was no social media. There was no, how can you yeah. basically even get this out there? There's no influencers. There's no... People, you know, we talk about word of mouth and grassroots things like it that they probably had no other choice but to if you wanted to pilot test it, it's like you start it in a town and you hang out at the grocery stores and you have some stands and you basically try to see if you can get a groundswell in an area before you probably decide to launch a national campaign or a statewide campaign. And the D to C cuts a lot of that out because you don't need to be in the local stores because they can now go direct right to shipping yeah. and i think you're right the subscription model probably makes it an roi positive thing so when i do have a consumer that they that they are going to be repeat buyers and i could do it in a way that with a subscription they could now be like have a bigger you know lifetime value so they can get their roas back and all now we're getting into more of the marketing yeah. technical pieces but it's all of these things I think I've created that 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 storm. Um, last one I would add is like, I don't think this is necessarily the reason D to C is, but also just the recent uh, pandemic stuff. You know, had a big boom in in mm-hmm. e commerce that allowed for a lot of people wanted to, that saw that they could just start their own business because they have drop shipping. They have this. All I have to do is set up Shopify, and I can make mm-hmm. this look good enough. I don't need a web developer. I could outsource a designer, like all of these things are all on demand, right? Like the speed and the amount of money you need to put behind this. Like someone can launch a brand for a hundred bucks. Yeah, low level Mm -hmm. to entry, low level to entry. But there's a challenge though, because anybody can start it, but I I think someone has done that and I'd like to now like kind of dig into this a little bit more, but the the massive amount it's almost like the creator platforms or youtube right so like there are tons of people on the platform on shopify who have stores but what is the percentage of 
actual truly profitable and successful companies. Like it's a very small percentage, right? Like at some point the chef separates from mm -hmm. the way, right? Where you're really just the average store is probably not doing very well, but you've got some stores that are just doing amazing. And then what are the difference in those stores? How do those stores like really tap into their people, the brand, that mood, that emotion? That's interesting yeah. to me. And I would think it's like anyone that you see these, that's where you do have these high powered influencers that, have audience and have essentially a brand, you know, whether we're, we're going to call it a personal brand or whatnot and not meaning to, if anyone feels like that's right. a bad word, I know some people are turned off by certain words, but regardless of a, you know, a Kardashian or whatever else, like they've created right. a persona, whether it's really them or how much of it is, but, or a, or a, a lifestyle, a aspirational, interesting thing of feeling luxurious or whatever but if they have this audience right we're talking a little bit about audience building and all they need is a product yeah. to get plugged in and they're the ones that know their audience know what colors what look what timing what messaging mm -hmm. like they are in tap you know if, because they've had to do this right like they've they've they have the pulse yep. of uh, uh an alignment with you know millions of people and they have the distribution channel right so then all they basically need That's is a product to sell it to them so so from that standpoint that's, that's a big true. unfair advantage versus a upstart for a hundred dollars trying to start something um and yes everyone can start it but you're right the competition is fierce like there's there's it it raised everyone's yeah. boats so it's like you still have to be able to differentiate now there's more people that can shoot up that previously didn't have a chance but hey they have a good vibe. They resonate with an audience, whatever. Like that didn't caught that. You didn't have to go to Yale for that. You didn't have to go to like uh, Ivy League school. You didn't yeah. have to know people when you started. Eventually, you do have to meet people and build and network and 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 make yeah, friends and work. do collaborations and partnerships. But it is an interesting world where it doesn't take much to be a brand, but takes a lot to probably make it like ROI positive, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny though. You talk about influencers um, and just the trust they have with their audience. There are probably three influencers that I follow on Instagram who, if I'm looking for something or if they show something and it sounds appealing to me, I buy it mm -hmm. without question because their body shapes are similar, especially it's clothes. It's usually clothing or something like that. They, they have similar body shapes to the, what I do. Their life is pretty similar to what mine is. They're usually moms. They're usually like, you know, suburban type people, or sometimes they're even farmers now. I'm kind of getting into the farmer <laughs> world as well. But it, it's like they've built that trust, right? Regardless of what the brand is itself, the brand of the product, the influencer's brand has done so much trust building and so much work with me that I don't have to go through a whole huge journey. There's not a buyer's journey process that I go through. It's not like, for instance, last night, I was watching one of my YouTube channels that I love. She's a, a gardener, Roots and Refuge. She does a great job. And she had a plant lady shirt on. And I was like, oh, I love that shirt. I want that shirt. So I Googled plant lady shirt, found the Google link. Mm -hmm. Like she wasn't promoting it. She didn't do anything. I found the store she used. I used, I put in my, gave them my email address for 20% off within five minutes that that right. shirt is now being shipped to me. 
Like, they made a sale because she happened to be wearing it. I loved it. It resonated with me. Um, you know, she's wearing it. I trust her. Like, I know that I've been watching her for years, right? So I know, I feel like I know her. I feel like I know how she, you know, interacts with the world and what she values. So I didn't have to research. I wasn't like, let me make sure that I'm going to find the best sustainable t-shirt company. Let me make sure, like, no. Oh, there it is. Right. I found it. Done. It's, it's, it's in my cart. So they do a lot of that vetting and that trust in the buyer journey for the consumers. I, like, you, the consumers are relying on the influencers to do that. Now, are all of them doing a great job? Right. I don't know. But it's that but, trust. They built yeah, that trust with you. An and interesting... Like, they could lose it too, right? They could hawk something else that is obviously yeah. something to line their pockets and you start to go, yeah, you know what? That was the tipping point for me. Nope, yep. not anymore. Or you get something shipped or you or buy something on their thing or they start, I don't know, pumping some crypto thing. Then you're like, yeah, yep, nope. Maybe, maybe not for me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happened to me as well. I had a girl I followed on Instagram, loved her. She was great. Uh, one month she talked about her favorite shampoo and I was like, okay, I've been looking for a good shampoo. I'm buying that brand. And then four months later, and she was like, this is the only one I ever use. This is great. You guys need this shampoo. Here's the promo code. Da, 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 da. Four months later, I still have that shampoo. I purchased from her, like used her link to purchase it. It was, it was not her brand, but she got a commission off of my sale, right? Four months later, she's talking mm, a different brand, saying yeah. this is her favorite brand. This is what she's been using forever. And that immediately, I right. lost trust. I even unfollowed yeah. her. I was like, I'm, yeah. you know, no, that's not, if you're selling to me just to right. sell, I'm out. But if you were just having to share yeah. If you're, you if you're love, changing your story and the, story. the authenticity piece, that's that's the part of the, the trust equation, right, that I think, and she's just probably hoping no one saw, right, or or it didn't really matter, I or I built up enough yeah, of a following forgot. that I don't care anymore, and it's really all about, you know, the commission. Sales. Yeah, the commission, exactly. But I think CPGs or CPG brands are really smart to utilize these people, to collaborate with people who match their brand, who kind of match that ideal persona, right? You have to know who your persona is as a CPG brand. Otherwise you are, you'll get lost. You'll be quiet. You've got, you've got to make noise in this fiercely competitive market. Um, and then align with those, even the small macro, the micro influencers, right? Like the ones mm -hmm. with less than 10,000 followers, they can be pretty hugely beneficial for these CPG brands. Um, it's smart to find those kinds of people and make, I'm not as much as in sure. the space, but before we wrap this up, I did want to clarify, like, what do you consider CPG? So just, just to level set and make sure our audience understands and make sure I understand because. Yeah. Yeah. So consumer packaged goods, usually shelf stable, um, or it could be definitely health and beauty, a lot of fitness, like protein shakes and whey protein and like just the health supplements that kind of stuff um which has been around forever i think the supplement and health industry did cpg before anybody else but you consider it. that um, buying it from the store like do you can do you, do you do you equate those two things together cpg is also like local shelf or we also have talked about d to c so i just want to understand the difference yeah oh, yeah that's true so. there's some muddle there yeah there, there is a little bit of metal. So like um, 
there are brands that are local, right. like the Topo Chico brand is local to Texas. Mm-hmm. It's on my shelf. I expect it to be there. But I've heard of yeah, other I, people. Yeah, I don't, I don't have it here in Maryland. Having it so. in there, like buying it. Yeah, and so are they going online and buying it D2C? They could be doing that. Um, Kodiak Pancakes, I saw them post the other day where he was like, you know, we started off with like one shelf in Target. So it was it was a CPG, mm-hmm. like D2C at first, and then it went in store. So I think the difference is the, the D2C aspect, right? So D2C, direct to consumer, is where you as the brand are actually shipping straight to people's homes. So whether you're doing a subscription or whether it's just an online store, that is the difference. Um, there is CPG on shelves. There's CPG that's also coming direct to consumer. Um, I think that the D to C space is what's really blowing up. They're starting to get a lot of venture funding, which wasn't seen in years past, I don't mm-hmm. think, or at least that I wasn't aware of, where you know venture capitalists really want to invest in a direct to consumer type product. Um, at least the same venture capitalists who are direct, who are sponsoring and funding B2B SaaS, right? Like, so same funds. Um, but yeah, if you are able to go online, purchase the product and have it delivered to your door, that's what I would say is consumer packaged goods okay. that's delivered okay. directly so to So D2C is the delivery mechanism and then is the, like, how the sale is made, how, it, how you get it in your, in your hands. And then... Yeah. What they're selling is in a broad spectrum of consumer packaged goods, which can be delivered D to C, but also could be on the shelves. But it's just in general the the most that's probably the most like general widespread of like the type of thing. Like you don't consider drinks consumer packaged goods, or do you? Or you're talking about you mentioned beauty, you mentioned like shampoo, you mentioned be. like like. Clothes. I don't know. Did you mention clothes? You did mention clothes. Is that is that that's uh, that's not I don't think that's not consumer package. Yeah. Okay. So packaged no, and probably have a reuse, right? Like but have definitely. a like soaps and things that you are pr- packaged yeah. and <laughs> you're going to to buy them like more frequently. Shelf life. Right. Yeah. Too. They have a. They, they wear out the shelf life. Yes. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. do, gosh, like diapers right. are CPG, DDC now. Um, wipes, sanitizer, a lot of people have those. Like we said, coffee is a large yeah. one that can be okay. um, direct to consumer. Yeah, it seems like the days. recurrence is, is important. Like, like I could say maybe like contact lenses are probably could be considered CPG, but like maybe getting glasses aren't because you're going to, like you're going to keep cycling through. Anyway, I'm sure someone else is going to contradict us on definitions, but I just wanted to understand from, at least for the context sure. of our conversation, how we're considering it and how all of this has changed so fast. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And for some pro, like absolute pro information, if people are like, hey, I would really like to know more about that, check out Subscription Radio. They, they know more about the CPG consumer packaged goods, the whole thing. Um, I'm just an observer and it fascinates me to see, to watch this space grow, to watch how brands reach their customers and like how they build brands. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah, fascinated. Me too. And that's what I hope that sure. I, well, I love having these conversations. Cause it's just like, I love unpacking things and kind of just understanding how it really works. So mm-hmm. I, 
pardon me, I know this is a marketing podcast, but I may kind of poke my head into, ooh, like, ooh, what partnership is between there? How does that, where, <laughs> what is the logistics of that? How does the, like, what is the actual, like, cut of revenue for that stuff? I'll try to pair that out a little bit, so, for the future. That's good. So, you have that ooh, perspective, all right. for sure. Well, until next it. week. All right, bye. We'll see you then.